0: Chapter 7. The axe hung heavy in Kenneth's hands. Torn blisters from the constant heaving of the tool lined his palms. Removing the iron cuffs from his wrists brought relief, but the open sores on his hands and the numbing tightness of his overused muscles offered new pains. Oddly, it was Jorand who had insisted that Kenneth's cuffs be removed, though he kept the Scots' feet chained. Likely, the beastly Viking understood that cutting trees would carry a heavier burden than the lesser drudgery of carrying stones. The labor of wielding the axe was severe, but for Kenneth, having his arms and hands free was well worth the exchange. Kenneth swung the big axe hard. Its blade cut deep into the white meat of the pine. The swinging of the iron head provided an outlet for Kenneth, a means to vent his unquenched anger. With each blow, Kenneth cut deep into the trunk, splintering chips of wood from the heart of the tree. The white woody shards piled at his feet like snow atop the knotty roots that fingered outward from the trunk of the pine. Sweat soaked Kenneth's hair and shirt. His chest heaved in and out as he cut over and over into the tall evergreen. As he performed his mindless, repetitious cuts, he envisioned himself turning the axe on the Vikings and rushing the guards who watched over him. He saw himself in a delirious rage, cutting into every Viking in sight. If it weren't for their crossbows, that covered a greater distance than the axe, he would have done more than simply envision his act. Kenneth purposed to be patient. He would wait for the right time, either his father would come with an army of Scots, or the Vikings would make a mistake. Either way, he would wait for his opportunity. Another swing? The tree teetered. The large pine had nearly succumbed to the small axe. The steady blows had carved a deep slot into the wood and now little remained to hold the tree upright. Kenneth's blows came faster. The spindly beast began to tilt. The spine snapped, and a tearing sound erupted from the base of the tree. The cracking grew louder, the branches swayed, and the tree began its descent, crashing through its neighbors and snapping off their limbs on the way down. Its impact against the earth released an echoing boom, along with a certain satisfaction that pleased Kenneth. Kenneth gaped at the fallen monster, contemplating the finality of the massive beast. He lowered the head of his axe to the ground and leaned on its handle to catch his breath. He glanced at a nearby guard, then gazed down at the barren stump. It was riddled with cuts except for the small ridge of splintered pulp sticking up from where the tree had held to the end. Kenneth heard laughter that sounded something like a grunt. He looked to his side. It was Darrell. He had stopped to watch the grand tree fall. Darrell wiped his brow and grinned at Kenneth. Kenneth returned a grin of his own. It felt good. Cutting hard and bringing down the tree, indeed, it felt good. Move on. Strip the branches and clean it up, a guard grumbled at Kenneth. Kenneth brushed off his sleeves and rubbed the dripping sweat from his forehead. He looked at the guard, then at his axe, and then back at the guard one last time. Kenneth stepped over the stump where the pine had once stood. He loomed over the fallen tree, and began whittling away the remaining branches. One by one, he would cut them all. Why have you returned, Scott? I assume you come with good news. I will not have my meal interrupted for anything less, Angus said, sitting erect at the large wooden dining table. He snapped his fingers to dismiss the attendant who'd served him. Yes, my lord. I bring you word from Taran of Dumbarton, Cirque said, unsure if his news truly was good news. He and his father, Gura are gathered with the men of Dalriada in Renton. There is no sign of Alpin. He has not returned, nor have the three traveling with him. Taran has persuaded the men to remain in Renton and. The Scots are staying back, they have not left to find their people. Have they lost courage? Have they finally come to their senses, now seeing their need of the Picts? Angus gloated. Well, ah, yes, they are beginning to see my lord Angus. Your confidence fades from your voice as you speak, Scott. Sirk's gaze fell to the floor. He hated being alone with Angus. He fumbled for words, my lord, many do see the wisdom of joining the Picts, but others. Angus sprang from his seat. His chair tipped and crashed to the stone floor. It is not a matter of joining, they are to pledge their fealty to me. The Scots are to be my subjects that is their only option. I tire of this game, Cirque. Is this Taran unable to persuade these men? You spoke as if he were capable. My lord, he sees that seeking your aid is the only means of survival. He has convinced many of this. With Alpin gone, the men grow restless for leadership. I assure you, they will be persuaded. Boy, you are in no position to assure me of anything? I want Taran and his father, Gura here, and Constantine. Then I'll be assured they've seen the light of wisdom. My lord, this will happen, I'm certain of it, Cirque said. His stomach knotted, and he wanted to run, but he needed to hear the answer to one more question. He mustered the courage to speak, have you heard from your men, have they found Alpin? Do not mention that name. Angus bellowed. That is not your worry, my men will accomplish their task. I have spoken on the matter and that is enough. Sirk trembled like a dry leaf in a winter wind. Yes, my lord, I, I will go, I will return to Renton and come back with the men you have requested. Sirk bowed and inched toward the door. Angus ambled to the side of the large table. Before you leave, he said, gazing across the grand dining hall, I have one more use of you. Yes, my lord. Sirk uttered quivering and wishing at this moment that he was deaf, blind, and mute. I have someone I want you to see. Someone you want me to see, my lord. Yes. My lord, who shall I see? It is the younger son of Alpin. Angus said. Cirque froze. A single thought raced through his mind Aidan, My lord, how is this? My scouts found the young man nearly dead, half drowned and badly burnt. They brought him to me. He has little strength, though he is improving. My physician is seen to his recovery, I should say he doesn't seem fully aware of all that has happened. Sirk glanced at the corridor exiting the hall, weighing his chances of escape. The odds were slim. Sheepishly, he returned his gaze to Angus. My lord, what could I say to him that would be of any good? You will tell him the news of his father, that the Vikings teased his father and killed him. I can't do that. He will surely ask about his mother and will wish to return to Renton, Cirque pleaded. The tenuous exchange with the picked Law felt to Cirque as if he were moving over a vast sheet of fissured ice, never knowing whether it would hold or instantly crack and plunge him deep into its chilling grip. You can and will do this. You will tell the boy of Renton's devastation, and how the Scots see no other path than to pledge their allegiance to me. His mother, of course, you will tell him. Insists that he stay in my care until he is well. And, too, that she wishes for him to serve under me as a means of goodwill, assuring that our people will unite, a sort of ambassador, if you please. Angus paused and smiled. The pledge of Constantine, Gura, and Taran will further solidify your message to the boy. He mused at his plan to secure the Scots' loyalty, and in time, the Vikings' demise. In the end, all would be well, the Picts, and the Scots, would have their king. The soft glow of candlelight lit the cool, damp room. Cirque stood motionless in the doorway, watching the shadows dance beyond the flickering candle flames. His eyes swept over the stone walls before settling on Aiden. He lay asleep in the bed, breathing in slow, cadenced breaths that lifted and lowered his chest. Cirque hesitated, and then entered. A four-foot wrought iron candlestand stood in the center of the room. Fashioning three equally spaced candles. Their golden fires fluttered as Cirque passed. Cirque rehearsed his words. He wondered if Aiden would even believe him. He hated himself for being Angus Pawn and casting deception upon Aiden. Aiden was the one person who called Cirque a friend. Yet Cirque had ventured too deep into the den of treason. He had no choice but to take the next step. He convinced himself that this lie could be his last, and his debt would be fulfilled. Cirque stepped beside Aiden's bed and gazed over his battered body. Bandages covered much of his face and neck. Those on his shoulder were soiled with the weeping of blisters. Even the uncovered wounds lining the edges of the bandages were grotesque with ooze. Cirque could only imagine the hideousness of the sores hidden below. Who's there? Aiden said with a groggy voice, waking to Cirque's presence moving through the dull light. Who is it? He repeated. Aiden, it's me, Cirque. Cirque, Aiden said, stirring from his sleep. What are you doing here? I thought Renton. Shh. Don't try to move, save your strength, Cirque said, and he placed his hand on Aiden's shoulder, gesturing for him to keep still. I'm strong enough, Cirque, Aiden said. He slowly moved his arms and pushed against the bed to sit up. Cirque stepped back and watched Aiden labor to lift himself. Aiden, I have spoken with Angus. He tells me that you were nearly dead when he found you, and that you have been in and out of consciousness ever since. You're lucky to be here. Cirque, how is my family? Are they alive? Are they well, are they here with you? Aiden said. He studied Cirque's face, waiting for a response. Cirque glanced furtively about the room, refusing to find Aiden's eyes. He wished he could vanish. Groping for words, he spoke, As you know, there is little left of Renton. Many of our people perished in the attack, Aidan. Our village was destroyed, and our people were decimated. Your mother and your brother's wife are alive. They survived the attack. The men have gathered in Renton. My mother, she is well. Yes, she was unharmed. And you should know. Nessa and Kenneth, did they make it home to Renton? I know nothing of Nessa and Kenneth, only that they were believed to be with you, Sirk said. My father, has he returned from the hunt with Chorich, Donald, and the men? Has he seen our home? Sirk lifted his hand and rubbed his lower lip, wedging it between his forefinger and thumb. He stepped away and turned toward the candles. Their hot flames burned white, puddling pools of wax under the glowing heat. Sirk saw irony in the candles, how they lived to burn, Yet in so doing, they burned themselves to death. In some ways, he saw Aidan in the candles. In some ways, he saw himself. Sirk, has my father returned? Does he know what happened? Aidan repeated. Your father returned, Aidan? But he did not wait for the men to come to Renton. He left to find you and the others. He and Chorich left Renton with Ronan and Les. They left alone. Sirk stopped not wanting to finish. What else, Cirque? There's something else you're not telling me. I don't know how to tell you, Aiden. You are like a brother to me. Sirk, damn it, tell me. Sirk lowered his gaze. Word has come that your father has been, that he has been killed. Aiden leapt from the bed and stumbled to keep his balance. What are you saying, Cirque? My father, he is he is dead. Aidan shuddered under the pain of his movement. He began to shake. The room began to spin. He bent and placed his hands on the stand beside his bed. Then he opened his eyes wide and took a deep breath to push away the dizziness. Aiden, you mustn't do this. You must rest. Let me help you, Sirk insisted, more to assuage his guilt than to offer kindness. My father can't be dead. He's going to lead the men against the Vikings, Aidan muttered in disbelief. Constantine and of Dumbarton are leading the men. They are devising a plan for the Scots in your father's absence, Sirk said. He stared at Aidan, watching him labour to stand erect. Aidan, did you hear me? Aidan slowly nodded his head. He lifted upright with a grimace pressed upon his face and then turned to the side and leaned against the bed. Aidan, I'm sorry to tell you of your father. I understand your pain, you know I do. I, of all people, know the pain of losing a father. Cirque slowly paced the floor. Aidan, time will bring healing. And, and, you should know, all is not lost. The Scots are assembling now in Renton. They are making plans to defeat the Vikings. They say that aligning with Angus will bring an end to the Vikings. Aidan, we will avenge your father's death. We will find Kenneth and the others and restore Dalriada. He stepped to Aiden and gazed at him. I'm sorry, Aiden. I'll return with you to Renton. I will help my mother, Aiden said. No, you must recover fully, Aiden. You need to stay here and regain your strength. Cirque held Aiden's arm and prompted him back to the bed. Aiden's breathing grew erratic, and beads of sweat formed on his clammy skin. No, my mother needs me now, Sirk. I must return home. Aidan, I assure you, your mother wishes you to stay here. She wants you to heal under Angus' care. His physician can help you. You will be the voice of the Scots here in Perth. You can see to it that our interests are heard. It is best for you stay here and recover. Sirk edged Aidan closer to the bed. Aidan abruptly turned and pushed Sirk. No, I will return to Renton. Don't try to stop me. Aiden stepped to move past Cirque. Then his legs suddenly stiffened and his knees buckled. Black dots filled his sight before he lost focus and collapsed to the floor. Cirque caught Aiden as he fell limp and lowered into a heap. There Cirque paused. He glanced at the door and contemplated his next decision. After a long moment, he shook his head and lifted Aiden to the bed. Upon lowering Aiden's head to the pillow, Cirque lifted Aiden's legs and pushed them onto the straw-filled mattress. His eyes combed Aiden's body and the bandages holding him together. I'm sorry, Aiden, I had no choice, Cirque muttered. He lingered a moment and then whispered, Stay here, Aiden, please, stay here. Then Cirque blew out the candles and left without looking back.